0: Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet.
1: So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one.
0: Good day everyone and welcome back to another episode Phew! It has been a week and I honestly have a hard follow up with Shay's episode this week covering the most voted case by you guys. Jeffrey Dahmer is so well known and many people know his story and now I am treading along in her footsteps from Monday. I'm going to actually try and keep this one short and sweet and also not so gruesome. We gave you a really tough one um, this week, maybe the most gruesome yet. So for sure. Yeah. So I'm gonna do my best to, to not go gruesome. And we're gonna talk more about like the investigation, which we didn't in Monday's case. But with that being said, awesome job, girl. But how are you doing today? Thank you. Um, I'm doing good. Uh,
1: just glad to have that case over with and recorded and
0: everything. And I hope you all like it. And how are you, Barb? I'm doing good. Ready for the weekend, as like I say every Thursday, but it's still so true. Um, I like and to- it's and it's a holiday weekend. Yes, yes. It. Yes. Oh my god! It, I did. I literally just noticed that. Yeah. Yes,
1: we have Monday off.
0: Yes, and this is actually the first episode in September, so another month down with you guys. Yay! Yes. Um. Real quick, I'd like to remind everyone you have another opportunity to vote for September's voters episode and I will have the great opportunity to cover it for y'all. The voting poll will be up on Facebook as of like yesterday, September 1st. Remember, we have shirts for sale that are brand new and other merchandise as well. With that being said, let's dive into today's case. I got most of my information from Wikipedia Tyler at the Tylerpaper.com and yep, that's about it. So let's go ahead and get started. I will be covering a case that happened all the way out in Kilgore, Texas in the year 1983. Kilgore is right between Dallas, Texas and Shreveport, Texas. Just in case you guys haven't heard of this town, And what happened here, I mean, it truly rocked everyone in this town to their core. We also will be covering a lot of, like I said, what the investigators did and how the arrests actually happened. So, on the evening of September 23rd, late at night, right before the employees of a Kentucky Fried Chicken were getting ready to close, Something sinister would happen and every employee that was working that night would never make it home. I know we like to cover some backstory of our victims, but there just wasn't much online while researching. I don't know if that's just because the families didn't want to make that known, or if it was the news or the investigation people themselves. I'm not too sure. But the innocent employees that were working during this night shift were David Maxwell, who was 20 at the time, Joey Johnson, who was 20, Monty Landers, who, who was 19, Mary Tyler, 37, and Opie Hughes, 39. Now, some research shows that Mary, Opie, and, jo- and Joey were all on duty that night working on closing up shops. While David was there visiting while off-duty. So he actually, I believe, worked at KFC as well. He was just there while he was off. And Monty was there just visiting a friend. Sometime between late that night and closing at 11 p.m., perpetrators would walk in and kidnap them at gunpoint Because Mary's daughter, Kim, who showed up at 11 p.m., I'm assuming to pick up her mom from night shift, noticed that the restaurant store was wide open. And when she walked in, there was blood stained everywhere on the floor. So this is when she would hurry and pick up the phone to dial 911 and police headed quickly out to that scene. As they searched the building they noticed everyone was missing so they set out a huge search party to look for the victims and the very next day their bodies were discovered by a man who was an oil field worker and their bodies were lying in a brush covered oil field lease right off of Walker King Road in Rust County. I believe this location was roughly about 10 miles from the Kentucky Fried Chicken itself. Hold up. How did they get that many people 10 miles away? So, I i mean, just if you're listening at this far into the, the, the episode, you could pretty much kind of assume that there was going to be one, more than one person who kidnapped all of them. Because yeah. how is one person going to get all these people to go when they could just like stop him them himself, you know what i mean yeah so as the police came to investigate the scene and take their bodies they made note that four of the bodies were found in one area and all of their heads were facing north and their bodies were lying face down about 50 yards away they found the fifth body who appeared to have been killed the same way, but I bet you're wondering why the killer or killers would have killed this person separately, why? Why single this person out? Well, during the autopsy, it was confirmed that this person was raped and killed, whereas the other four did not have any sign of forced sexual interaction with someone that night. The autopsy was conducted to, term- to determine cause of death, and it was pretty obvious, though, because these innocent people were shot execution style with more than one bullet hole that appeared in each victim. I think most of them had two shots, and then I think two, one or two had three shots to the head. Mm-hmm. The investigation sets off with the Texas Rangers and local investigators and cops in the whole nine, but nothing really amounted to it for nearly 22 years other than a wrongful arrest. See, in April 1995, so just about 12 years later, a man by the name of James Mankins Jr., who was actually the son of a Texas state representative, was thought to have been the killer behind the mass shooting. He was attending his court trial in front of the grand jury when he was charged with five counts of capital murder. The supporting evidence behind the case was a single fingernail that was found on one of the victim's clothing articles. The prosecutors Mm -hmm. also argued that James had a troubled past with period drug convictions. They also believed that his wife could have been involved in the murders However, during the pre-trial proceeding, the judge agreed to let James go because there just wasn't enough evidence. Apparently, what the investigators thought was his fingernail was determined to not be a match when tested with his DNA, and it actually turned out to be the nail of one of the victims. Uh, Like, how? Yeah, like, researching this, I'm like, how can you even arrest somebody if the DNA... If you don't even have a DNA match. Like I don't
1: It's like they just like went through oh I found a fingernail. Oh, it's you. That's yeah. you. I'm gonna... You're The first person I saw once after I saw this fingernail. How
0: I know. dumb. I know. I'm like, you should be in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Fired. So in result, James and his wife's name was permanently cleared. So one, now you have wasted so much time of the investigation Trying to arrest the wrong person. Over a fingernail. Yes. (laughs) And two, you have utterly disrupted this man and his wife's life.
1: I mean, Mm -hmm. they were even
0: going as far as trying to charge her as well. Yes, they were trying to say that she was involved. Because no one man could have done five murders and kidnapped five people on his own. So now let's drag this poor man's wife into it. Wow. Well, anyway... Well, there was no need to because you didn't even have proper evidence like to drag her in. But the current deputy at the time named Danny Pertle told many people that the case became too focused on James Mankins. Oh, now you're going to say that.
1: Oh, wow. Captain obvious.
0: (laughs) So now the state has no one in mind that they've just let James go. And they pretty much stayed stagnant with little to no leads over several, several, several years. But so, then we
1: also have to think this is a probably a small town because I've never even heard of it. So these cops probably are not used to dealing with this kind of murder.
0: Well, so they, they were, aren't, But it doesn't make sense because the yeah. Texas Rangers stepped in whenever they found that it was five people who were, you know, Oh, yeah. Murdered Um, And abducted from a KFC So it's like You literally have the Texas Rangers on your side What is happening So fast forward dude. Finally in 2001 The DNA was entered Into the CODIS index For violent offenders They ran it through pretty much Every state within the US And bam they had a hit The DNA ran Match to two men One name was Romeo Pinkerton and the other Darnell Hartsfield. These two men actually were on police radar at the beginning of the investigation. But they sadly slipped through the cracks because Joe Records showed that they could have been incarcerated, which turned out to not be true. Even though they had a hit, it was just like not quite enough, which literally baffles my mind because... (laughs) Are you gonna arrest arrest a man without a complete DNA match? But now DNA match isn't enough,
1: and you're just like, eh, no, I, I think this is not it. Whoa.
0: What? I know, and I think it's because they messed up so bad at a wrongful arrest. Now it's like they're having to really prove that this guy, like, this is it. So which
1: makes sense. They have to have like more than just one thing of evidence to say.
0: Correct. Yeah. So. They had to keep digging, obviously. When Opie Hughes was sexually assaulted and raped, they noted a different DNA match than what they had on file. So, they began thinking that there was an actual third killer, and this is the one that got away. A woman by the name of Miss Tanner began working with Russ County right around the time before the DNA had a match. A few years later, in 2003, she would be the co chair during the prosecution and decided to hold many special investigative ground juries. During these hearings, many investigators were using ways to collect DNA from possible witnesses and the killers themselves by offering them chewing gum, they offered them drinks, and even paper mail was collected from them to be tested in 2004 the grand jury indicted darnell for perjury after lying about being inside the kfc restaurant when dna evidence proves he was actually there later in mid 2005 romeo is arrested after burglarizing griffin elementary school and invading arrest so, this is all happening pretty much as they already have, they already know that they're the killers. So uh-huh. now they're just collecting all these other things that they're doing, which they can also charge them for. But the trials didn't officially begin in 2005 after collecting all of the DNA and evidence the prosecutors would need. Mind you, It has now been over two decades since this mass shooting. Greg Abbott was the Texas attorney at this time, who now, if you're not from Texas, um, you probably don't know this, but Greg Abbott is now the governor over Texas. So just a quick fact. And he was the one to announce the indictments on Romeo and Darnell, which they would receive five counts of capital murder each during romeo's jail session he apparently actually admitted to another inmate that he murdered five people in 1983 which would point him in the direction of being there at the crime that very day Mm -hmm. his trial began in 2007 but just two weeks later he was already facing the death penalty so he decided to plead guilty which would get him five life sentences in prison instead. And then if you fast forward again, Darnell and Romeo actually were being trialed separately this time. So this is why I specifically pointed out Romeo for that year, but Darnell's trial began in 2008. So just the next year. And he was also found guilty and received the same sentence as his partner, five life sentences in prison. Which after all of
1: that I'm glad, but like how old are they at this point? Like you
0: like they've lived a whole life. What do they care about now, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how old they are. That's actually a really good question. I can assume that they're not young because it took Thirty some thirty something odd years to figure out who the killers actually were.
1: Yeah, and you so, think they're like in their twenties or thirties to even do something like this?
0: Yeah, exactly. So they're probably over fifty for sure. Um, if they were twenty at the time, and they probably were even over twenty. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's pretty sad that. Again, the system fails because they were on police's radar at the very beginning of the investigation. But false documents were shown saying that they could have been incarcerated at the time of the killings. Well, if they could have been, then there's a possibility that they weren't. So wouldn't you then think, let me look into them a little bit further, especially if they were on your radar?
1: Yeah, obviously, you would know if they were in prison or not because it would be documented somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's what I don't understand because it's like, what is a could? Like, how is there, how do you not know? And if you didn't know, why would you not figure it out? Yeah. I don't know. So, let's go ahead and talk about the aftermath. So now you have two killers who have received their sentence. They're now serving five life sentences in prison. There's probably not a chance to parole, not with that. And after the sentence was given, the families of the victims in the shootings began to speak out about what life has been like for them since the killings. For instance, David Maxwell, remember, was only 20 years old when he passed away and he left behind a widow. She came out to speak and told the people that for the last 30 years, her husband's death has been really hard on her. She said she moved from Kilgore, Texas, because she was always receiving scrutiny, and I don't really know what that means or like what she was meaning by that. But I can assume that not if she wasn't hearing anything, you just have that thought in the back of your of your mind, like this is the city where something tragic happened to my to my husband and I lost him. So I would probably want to get away too, just on that. Yeah. And the weight of the long investigation in her husband's death played a huge toll on her second marriage. She believes that it was the reason that second marriage failed. She and that's very possible. Yeah, like, that's a hard thing to go through and marry another man and have that man trying to understand what you're feeling and what you've been through. Because that's tragic. Yeah, for real. And then, like, on top of
1: that, the killers were out there. Like, she had no idea what they killed them for or where, why they killed them or where or whatever. So, she was probably terrified
0: for her life, too. I mean, just walking around enjoying life. Exactly. And at the time of the interview after the rest, she told the people that she currently is, I guess, in marriage number three. And she was, at the time, 48 years old. And I personally hope her life can finally be lived exactly as she wishes it to. And not only that for her, but for all of the other victims' families. Mm -hmm. Now, all this time after receiving their life sentence, the both of them are proclaiming their innocence. And have stated the only reason why they pled guilty was to escape the destinies. But they actually did not do it. Which I really don't understand because... Eh, like, how, how could you say that you didn't do it if, like, DNA matched up that you were there? Yeah, exactly. And, like,
1: I understand they only had one thing of DNA evidence. But, like, it still doesn't... I don't know. I have In my head, I still think they're guilty. And they can rot in there, for all I care.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but like if if it wasn't you, then why would you deny the fact that you were even at KFC? Exactly. Eh, I don't know. So, now a lingering mystery lives on forever. Why did people step into KFC and murder everyone within the facility? I know that's why I'm wondering. I want to know. Well, there's actually a theory that main investigators have been going on about and they really believe to be true and that is quote the two guys who were in KFC and they overheard Mary Sauter mistakenly say the deposit for the next morning was $15,000 instead of 1500 and that was a lot of money in 1983 so the murders were an attempt at robbery gone wrong unquote the hopes of finding the third perpetrator are still high and many believe he could have been caught or would have been investigated during the early on in the investigation and they are really hoping that they can find this third guy within their own lifetime but realization has to set in because he could have moved away or even passed away since it's been like almost 40 years now. Well, actually over 40 years now.
1: Yeah, but also like they're going they're going on about this third person based on semen evidence but I, I don't know. I mean like just off of one thing, how did they know that it wasn't just somebody else before this happened, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I'm assuming that maybe there were signs of, of rape. You know, when you do a rape kit, there are signs that, that doctors know and, like, um, people who are doing autopsies know to look for, like tears and trauma and stuff like that. Yeah. So that could have also been there. It wasn't saying that there was. But yeah. But even if there wasn't, like, why would they bring her, y- like, that so many far away from the other four people like if that's not what they were doing and my thing is like how can this be
1: a robbery gone wrong if it didn't go wrong until they took them they drove them 10 miles away and then killed them
0: yeah and not only that but I never saw anywhere during research where it said they actually stole money
1: yeah I mean like it makes sense that Maybe they did hear her say that, but at the same time, I feel like they wouldn't have done it that day because she said she deposited it. So clearly they wouldn't have had it. So that doesn't make any sense. Like if they knew that they deposited this money, whether it was 15000 or 1500 then they clearly wouldn't have the money.
0: Well, they said that they overheard saying that that was the money for the deposit on the next morning. so they would wake up and go and deposit this money that they had made made i guess during that day's work shifts yeah but now it's still still yeah there's i mean there's it's a theory i guess i don't really see that that's a good one unless they did rob the kfc because if they planned to rob the kfc they would have robbed it if they had guns and were pointing them at them saying open the cash register they would have robbed it and if it had gone wrong after that maybe have Kidnapped them and took them away. But if they didn't even grab the money, then how was this an attempt at robbery? How do you know they're trying to rob it? Yeah, but if there was
1: a robbery gone wrong, wouldn't they have just killed them at the KFC and then just left?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think this was deeper than that. I think yeah. it was a mass shooting motive. I think that I don't know what it was, why they had to bring it out. I mean, most even mass shootings, you don't abduct the people in the building. You just unfortunately, just shoot him in the building. So, I don't understand. Like, it's just so many thoughts and theories that they have. Obviously, the people that they have arrested are now denying the fact that they were there to kill them. So, you... Eh, I mean, you. I don't think they're ever going to find out, honestly. And at least they have made arrests, and they're still on the hunt for the third suspected killer. And... Yeah, that basically wraps up today's case. What did you think? That's crazy. Like, this was a really
1: good episode. Great job. It's just insane how, like, they did all of this. They killed all these people for that amount of money. Like, we are really seeing on these episodes that people will do anything for just $10. Like, you know, and I understand, like, that's a lot of money. But, like, between two people, is it really? Like, when you're having to split it? I don't, or three people, even, if there's three. I don't know. It's super weird. I feel like there's more to this case. Because I feel like kidnapping them and killing them execution style is more personal.
0: Than a robbery gone wrong. So, I don't know. I think so, too. And I could have thought, honestly, that... And These are just theories that we're coming up with here. But yes. I honestly think that maybe opie hughes was more of the targeted within the building if you're talking about on a personal level maybe the perpetrators were targeting more of opie and these individuals just happened to be there working at the time so Mm -hmm. that could have been why they took them off separately and killed them separately and then done what they did to opie and um Maybe that's the case. I mean, I don't know. We're, we're not the investigators. I definitely don't have a degree in it or a certificate or anything. So these are just theories. But yeah, this is
1: one of the reasons why we do this is just to talk about it. And
0: yes, I, and I personally enjoy doing cases that are solved but not solved, are completely not solved because I love bouncing off ideas because sometimes when you're investigating, you may have such a closed box where sometimes you are thinking outside the box and sometimes you're not. You just need that push of like, oh my god, what about that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, yeah. So, thank you guys for listening in today's episode. I try to make it not so gruesome today for y'all. Thank you. (laughs) But, I hope you guys have an awesome week and don't forget to follow us on social media to keep up to keep up with our updates and new episodes as they come out and as always we love you and remember to stay out of dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking bye bye